recording, yes. Um, I think that before we do anything, we should have a little uh, listen to the audio note that you sent me yeah. after you just recorded your AI voice. So we've we've uh, we've found a free to use online version of um, recording an AI <laughs> voice called Resemble AI. If you want to have a play with it, uh, and this is what Nick had to say. If my voice uh, AI version is anything to go by from this test, uh, my job is safe. <laughs> but maybe I'm just terrible at recording it. I can't wait to hear yours. <laughs> I do so, feel um... really, I feel really inadequate that I've done an awful job and I should just quit anyway. <laughs> well, I I wonder. Like I I have also done. I would say a fairly awful job. <laughs> it just shows you, like in itself, it's skilled. Yeah, it, yeah. I also don't think. We shouldn't go into this too much. We should, we should play the clips, but I, I also don't think we should beat ourselves too much up about it because um, they are. It was very. It's a very limited system. The one yeah. that we've um, yeah, yeah. We played with. <laughs> very okay. Limited. Okay. So who's going to go first? Who's going to go first? Uh, go first? You do mine. You do mine. You do mine. Okay. Okay. Right. So um, tell me which ones you want to play. I've got them saved on. I've got them saved. Um, okay. Let me just double check. I forgot. You can play clip two, clip three, and then clip four. So what are we talking about today? I mean, that sounds like you've had a stroke. <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> and let's hear what uh, the the next clip has to say in response. I'm really angry about COVID-19, mate. <laughs> so do you want to hire me? <laughs> yeah. It's actually very, quite smooth. Like Very, very he, specific role you'd hire me for there. Very, very specific. <laughs> um, it's like, just had a stroke and doesn't know about emphasis. Yeah. Role. Yes. I um, did try okay. and fiddle with the emphasis, but I mean... It's really t- tough. <laughs> Me too. Like with my ones, I had to go at like adjusting some of the emotion and emphasis and all these other things it says you can do. I don't know if it really works. Um, no. do you, should, we, should we listen to your final one then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, got it. The chippy is closed. Oh no, got it. The chippy is closed. <laughs> <laughs> Where oh, has my no. accent gone? It is very odd, isn't it? Well, you'll hear, look, so let's have a listen to mine because okay, you'll, you'll right, hear some mad accent situations in my one as well. So let me introduce you to my AI voice, Robot Leah. Hi. I'm a really happy voiceover and definitely not a robot. Why would you think I'm a robot? I sound completely normal. <laughs> <laughs> and remarkably, it's, it can't even talk as fast as you talk in real life. <laughs> Robert, Robert, Robert. I'm sort of Sounds Russian, frog. maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, I mean, I sound oh, wow. completely normal. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, what would you like to say to potential clients, Robot Leah? Oh, here we go. Why don't you employ me to do the voiceover for your explainer video? I'll never complain if you do a line read. <laughs> Although possibly it could help. <laughs> You're giving people reasons why they'd want to use AI, Leah. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, as I was writing it, I was thinking, I, this is probably where we're headed, isn't it? Like the the inevitable war between AI voices and real voices is like, it's, it's, quite, it's quite dark, isn't it? If you've ever seen any of the robot-themed um, yeah. future films, it's going to get dark, guys. dare you question what the director asks you to do, hey? Yeah, I know, exactly. Robot words. AIs will not. Oh, dear. Mm. It's, interestingly, it, it, that sounded very... It sounds clear, at least, even if it doesn't sound at all natural. And yeah. I, but I did have to mess with it quite a lot because I, I dumped some phrases that somehow ended up sounding like just sort of a mad fizzy noise. Uh, and also, at one point, Robot Leah started singing, like this kind of wailing noise. Anyway, whatever it was, it was pretty unnerving. <laughs> she's trapped <laughs> She's trapped in the system somewhere. Let her out, let her out. She's very good at cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Which better not be. Uh, well, listen, 
I if I had to choose between AI like you and real you at the moment, what would you choose? Yeah, I'd choose. I'd choose you, Bibs. I'd oh, choose you. Thank you. It'd be kind. interesting because you're known as a really good robot voice, right? As real yes. Leah. So it'd be really nice <laughs> to inception the bejeepers out of that and see what robot Leah is like doing the robot Leah real voice. There wasn't an option on the drop down menu. Yeah. <laughs> you could go against your own AI voice for a job as a robot. I can, I can take her. I can take her. Take anyway, her down. Anyway. That's right. Oh, well, so dear. obviously this is like a free to use, very limited version of text to speech or AI yeah. voices. And a lot of the companies that are providing the sort of quick downloadable VO people might use for a corporate thing or an e-learning thing right now still sound nowhere near human. Although, having said that, I have heard some that were like reasonably convincing. But this industry is moving swashbucklingly fast. And as AI director Hugh Edwards said in our behind the scenes at the One Voice conference episode a couple of months ago, we've got three to five years before AI dramatically changes the landscape of the voiceover industry. What the <laughs> In case you missed that one. I know. Yeah, already there are quite a few companies working on creating voices that are indistinguishable from a real speaker so like google's deep mind division includes uh, uh, yeah. those horrific <laughs> mouse <Lipsmacks>. noises yeah <laughs> and there's another one uh, a virtual assistant that uh, um that uh has uh ums incorporated see what i did there? oh yes very good very good <laughs> and very we'll natural. be hearing in a minute ai voices that are you ready for this folks that can demonstrate mm. very, very genuine sounding emotion. <laughs> I think we had a bit of a drop out there. I was too emotional for the internet. <laughs> oh, um, we should say probably that what this episode isn't about is the ethics involved mm. in uh, like hyper-real AI being able to create unidentifiable fakes for political gain or for any other sort of heinous reason. That's for another sort of podcast altogether. And also, it's not about where AI came from, like the history of it or anything like that. It's about where it's at right now, where it's heading, how long we've got, and what we can do about it. So a video that's been doing the rounds lately is this clip of a character for a computer game called Faith, the first AI that can cry. I can still hear voices. Sometimes, if I'm lucky, I hear her. And it's like she's right here with us. Her warmth, her love. I miss her. I just don't understand. What did I do? Faith, there's something you need to know. Don't leave me, you can't just go. You need to find out for yourself. I've waited long enough. I'm ready to know. So happy. 
Okay. I, I was literally like, when's the AI starting though? <laughs> is that it? Yeah. Oh my God. It's extraordinary. And the thing is like, the, it, it, you can still hear in the texture of it, if you like, there's a sort of computeriness. You can still hear that, but it's so emotionally connected that I just forgot that was the case. And like, I was listening to it again last night and it, it made me it made me cry like it makes me cry she's so sad mm. about her mum and then she finds her mum <laughs> like i can i be completely honest that's genuinely better than a lot of the voice acting i've like real person voice acting i've heard in yeah, some games i i agree i agree but that's cuz the person doing it is remarkably talented which i think is one of the things that is important about this whole process if you think about what went into her creating that ai voice right so the actress playing her is never in her real life, said those words in that order. But like hours, even days of her own voice getting to that emotion was recorded by this technology firm, Sonantic. That's mad. It's mad. Like you have to be good at it. (laughs) Good at emoting. Yeah, good at at emoting and not just doing like, there's a special sort of um, crying breathing that people do when they're not really doing crying breathing. I hear it quite a lot in radio drama, Mm. just in the middle of a word. There's a little hiccup in the middle of the word. <laughs> I, just, I just... Is that, is that... If you're trying to say, I just really love you, you'd be like, I just really love you. Like, oh, it's awful when I hear it. It's so bad. It's just fake, fake, fakely fake. Just, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so mm. was, if you can... if you can, Like, for, for someone to be, to be able to bring all that crying, breathing into it and for it to be in the system, that's a real talent, I think. It's pure, pure authenticity, isn't it? Yeah. We're going to hear from Sonantic later in the show, by the way, but uh, given that this... Well, basically feels like it marks the beginning of the end uh, um, for a large chunk of yes. what we do. We're, uh, we were fascinated to find out about the voiceover behind it. So we had a chat with the actor Taylor Shackman and asked her about the sort of voice work she'd been doing before this came up, really. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this is a bit embarrassing, but I didn't do a ton of voiceover work before this. Um, I was mainly working in film commercials and modeling prior to coming to work for Synantic. Um, I've been with them for like a year. When I came to work for them, um, I had actually just been fired from my non-acting day job like weeks before. The like professional goal I set for myself is I was like so very pragmatic. I just want to not have a job that's not acting and teaching yoga, which I also do by the time I'm 30. And I had just turned 28. So I was like, I've got two years left. I just got fired. I got severance, which was the first time that it ever happened. So it was the first time I had space to like think like, what do I actually want to do instead of just doing the actor hustle of like, how do I pay rent? And so when it came to recording the faith voice, did you Mm -hmm. know that that was where you were headed when you were recording your AI voice for them? Or was it just Um, to, to have it in the bank? Kind of, yeah. So they had always expressed um, that the big difference. So I'm kind of a Luddite. Like I never played video games as a child. I didn't watch television until I was nine. Um, I've worked for like, I know, I've worked for like a variety of different tech companies. But like, if I didn't have to have a smartphone, I wouldn't. I don't have social media beyond LinkedIn. Um, So it's very funny that I ended up in this work. Um, But what they when they were explaining it all to me, because I needed a little bit more than just like the lay person. A lot of actors that come into this are really interested in video games and like know about it, which is great. Um, But I'm coming from the complete opposite end of the spectrum. So 
what they were explaining to me, kind of the difference between AI that currently exists and what they wanted to do is they wanted it to be super, super, super emotive because that's kind of the thing why people don't like AI. Like everybody has the experience of calling their bank, speaking to an AI, and it's just god awful and you hate it. And that's why nobody likes it. Um, so I kind of knew that we were heading towards not faith specifically, but I knew that they were going to want a really, really emotive, emotional performance somewhere down the line. And so the actual experience of recording those mm -hmm. voices and spending like a day being sad and a day being <laughs> joyful and a day being yeah. curious, what yeah. was that like? Um, I'm glad that you phrased it that way because I, the emotional part I think is harder um, and the mental part then physically for me, um, I have a lot of voice training. Um, the school I went through had a lot of voice training and I did like choir for years growing up. So that was not really too hard for me, but it can be tough just learning to toggle back and forth between the two. The thing too is like, I was never actually like crying and I was never actually like super happy. Like it's all like the artifice of that. So like, what I did for crying specifically is I was a very dramatic teenager. I spent a lot of time sobbing. And so I'm very familiar with like what it feels like to physically cry in my body, like what it facially feels like, what it sounds like without having to actually make myself sad because like that's not acting, that's not healthy. I couldn't do this work if I was doing that for hours alone in a booth. Um, so... It could be tough. Um, physically, sometimes my face would hurt the way your face like aches when you cry really hard. But I am really good at um, not making things harder than they need to be for myself, specifically when I'm already doing an arduous task. So I would take a lot of breaks. I constantly communicated back and forth with them and was like, hey, this is working for me. This isn't working for me. Like, I need time for this. I need time for that. And one thing that they've been amazing at throughout the entire experience that I haven't found in other aspects of being an actor, and you guys might be able to relate to this, is that a lot of people don't listen to actors and like your opinions and how jobs feel for you aren't always taken into consideration. And they were great about being like, okay, cool, take whatever you need. But yeah, I mean, I, I do a lot of therapy. <laughs> I meditate a lot. Um, I just, I'm very good at at segmenting out like person Taylor from actor Taylor. They're completely separate. There's no like crisscross over. So thinking about the, the video that went viral specifically, yeah. um, when you heard that for the first time, like before <laughs> even the rest of the world heard it, how did it yeah. feel? How did it make you feel? Um, it was great. It was interesting too, because I had been working on it for so long and, um, you know, listening to recordings of myself crying and given like my type like I'm a, I'm a young thin blonde woman like I don't often get a lot of parts that um let me get that kind of emotional range I do a lot of like blonde number two or first oh. wife um <laughs> and so it was really cool to hear something that um you could just tell the work I put in and you could tell like how much work the team put in and you could just, it sounds so hippy dippy, but like, I feel like you could just feel how cohesive the entire process was. Like they asked me once, um, in some of the meetings leading up to it, like, how do you feel about it? Like, you know, I think, and this is, this might sound bad, but I think a lot of people think that it was harder for me to do than it was. Um, it's not, I'm, I'm very good at fake crying. Um, it's a skill set. Um, but, um, like I knew it was going to be good when we were doing it 
Like I could feel the like energy in the recordings. I could feel the energy with the team. Like there was no hesitation. It was a very, very, very collaborative, cohesive process. Um, and I felt like the final product reflected all of that. And that was so cool because that doesn't always happen. And I was incredibly proud of it. And yeah. what about when it went out into the wider world and people started to Ooh. see it? What was the response <laughs> I, like? Um, it was good, I think. I mean, I'm not on social media. So that's a big thing is that I I think if I had been available on like Twitter or Instagram or whatever, like that would have been a different experience. But it was great. I mean, 45,000 people have seen it on YouTube, which is cool. It's a little difficult to conceptualize sometimes because like I didn't stand on a stage and perform to 45,000 people. I haven't met 45,000 people. So like <laughs> I know that intellectually, but I, I don't, I think, have the resonance of that. Um, but it's amazing. The response was, um, it was overwhelmingly positive. People were generally very impressed. They thought it was cool. They were excited by it. They were kind of mystified as to how we had made it happen, which was cool. Um, there was obviously some concern about like, you know, AI can be scary um, and people can have concerns, but it was generally very, very, very positively met. I was very happy and proud. Studio upgrade. Branding. Showreel production. Logo design. Production training. Website building. Studio tickling. Social templates. Studio upgrade. Branding. Showreel production. Logo design. Production training. Website building. Studio tickling. Social templates. Studio upgrade. Branding. Showreel production. Logo design. Production training. Website building. Studio tickling. Social templates. Studio upgrade. Branding. Showreel production. Logo design. Production training. Website building. Studio tickling. Social templates. Studio upgrade. Branding. Showreel production. Logo design. Production training. Website building. So right now, understandably, there's a lot of concern about AI in the VO community. It feels like uh, this is our equivalent of the Industrial Revolution. Yes, it really, really does. Like the technological revolution. Where, mm. what is? I mean, look, this is a really simplistic comparison, but um, it's like the replacing of people who till the fields with the tractors who till them instead. Nobody really wants an artisanally pan-tilled field. Like, what good is that? People want things that are efficient and what's best for the business and all that sort of thing. Yeah. It's a very, very tough one. Like, people still get upset about um, automatic tills, don't they? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> we've left the cashiers behind. But weirdly, the, um, the the tills have created new jobs. It's just that they haven't created jobs that are in the same field as they were before. So previously, there were more people working the tills, and now there are more people that have to come in and like fix the tills when people like shove their money in the wrong hole or whatever it might be that people do. And similarly, with AI, you're losing voiceovers and replacing them with people who like I don't know work the code or um, I don't know type in the sentences they want the AI I don't know what skills is is even Mm. replacing it and it's rubbish really I mean obviously this is this is like a whole mountain of difficulty that we're sort of picking through at the moment but one of the things that's difficult is that it's all very well thinking well 
you'll still be able to potentially work as an AI voiceover once you've got your own voice recorded, potentially. But actually, that's not what any of us necessarily want. Like, we like being able to go into the booth and work live and record day after day after day and do different things and creative things and work on different types of projects. And actually, if we're just recording one time for a big chunk of time and then that's it... Yeah. That's no fun, is it? Oh, sad, else? Where would you get your free studio pencils from if you weren't going into studios? <laughs> I it's know, not, all my studio like, pencils. But it's not like business over personal relationships thing as well. Like, So one of the huge things I love about what I do is forging those relationships. Mm, and I suppose yeah. in some ways, if that somebody uses your AI voice regularly, then there may be room for a relationship, but it's not the same, is it? They don't get to learn how amazing you are as an artist and understand what it's like. Yeah, and people might feel like the producers that they work with regularly and have that sort of close relationship with and in fact friendship with would never dump them in favour of an AI voice like three to five years down the line but in the end people have to make the decision that's right for their business and so for lots of people personal relationships are just going to fall by the wayside if we're in the middle of a massive economic depression and corners need cutting yeah Yay! <laughs> okay, okay, right. Well, next we're going to hear from Synantic, uh, the company that made that clip you heard earlier of Faith, the AI that can cry. Um, and and as soon as I spoke to co-founder Zina Qureshi, I knew that she was the only person that we could talk to for this episode. Mm. And it's because her company does seem to be the one that's going to burn it all down. <laughs> But <laughs> she's also providing us with like a fireproof suit and the tools we need to rebuild afterwards, K- kind of. You know, listen, listen for yourself, see what you think. My name is Zina Qureshi and I am the co-founder and CEO of Synantic. I have spent nine years teaching speech and language therapy to children with autism. So helping them go from nonverbal to verbal and speak just like everyone else. And then I've also got seven years of working in tech startups and helping them grow from the ground up. I come from a social impact background, so all of those tech startups had something social about them. I've worked in green energy, I've worked with people who are disabled, and I've worked with uh, the visually impaired and, generally speaking, like countering misinformation to help people, you know, be more aware about information that's going out there. Um, So that's me. And then my co-founder, John, uh, his name's John Flynn, he is the CTO and co-founder, and he ha- he's a speech researcher, but unlike most speech researchers, he's worked on Hollywood films for over a decade. So he's worked on like The Dark Knight, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Justice League. Like when I first met him, he had made a prototype uh, that he shared with me. I heard the demo and it was incredible. And I was like, how are you doing this? And he was <laughs> explaining it to me in a roundabout way. And I was like, basically, that's exactly how I teach kids. So we're teaching machines the same way and everything that we do is quite different to the average like text-to-speech voice AI company because we look at the subtleties and it's basically voice acting on demand. It's performance-led. So we look for actors that have, you know, a very good vocal range. They have the ability to um, make phonetic sound very natural, but also very like very much like a performance, not 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 flat, because you might hear other AI voices, and they can, they might sound human-like, but they're very monotonous, and that's not how humans sound. So that's where expressivity levels come into play, and we train off of those. In I've got a couple of notes here. In in March, I can't remember where I found this out now. But you said that 
more than 10 big name studios were on board. And I was wondering what that meant, like on board as in this is a great idea or on board as in already using the semantic product in their work. So we have probably more than that now because we have quite a bit of a wait list. Um, But essentially, we're very early stage in our development. So we're pushing out the rest of the emotions quite soon. Um, It's not just sadness. We're looking at anger and fear and happiness and like different levels of that because you don't just have one level of emotion. Um, But essentially, yes, we have these companies on board. Um, We've been in beta, so we're in a closed beta right now. And we've been building this technology with their support because if if you look at these huge studios, like gaming studios, they're tech aware and they have audio directors who have been telling stories for ages you know they're the experts on this subjective matter and then actors on the other side who we're working with are also experts so we're looking at both these sides and making sure we create a mutually beneficial product that works for all parties when then so if you're already working with these companies on developing things when do you think people are likely to start hearing your work in the games that they're playing that all depends on um where game studios are in their development cycles. So AAA studios, they can take up to 10 years to make a game. But, um, you know, in pre-production, you know, you still can support them during that period um, because there's always pre-production and then final production. So for us, like, we do have a couple of things that are coming out uh, this year, but we will probably see more and more as development cycles ramp up because there was a bit of a dip when everyone saw COVID happen and they're like, what's the new norm? And so people are getting more on track now because it's been a few months since that started. Um, So yeah, we will probably see some things this year and we'll probably see a lot more next year. What does a lot mean? Uh, That I can't say because it all depends on what actually makes it into Final Cut because people love things right now, but because of the iteration cycles with voice, you never know with like pickup lines or things like that. You just never know until um, everything is put together and then we then tell our actors and sort everything from that side. So like what we do is like we do like a quarterly report on understanding like how many voices are used in what capacity and, and when. Um, but yeah, that it's very, basically still very early days because we're just starting to get into that um, this summer. Um, you've also talked about the, what was it now, the, the voice in the entertainment industry being worth $10 billion, but only $1 billion of that being games and actually the other $9 billion being animation. And have you had the same kind of like rapturous reception from the animation industry as you have from gaming? So right now our go-to-market has been gaming. Um, Animation and film are very close adjacencies and voice work there is very similar to how it's done in gaming. So there's always casting, editing, directing, you know, there's booking studios. It's, It's very much a similar voice pipeline. And John's come from that background already having worked in film. So we did see an influx of Um, different studios and companies that came through, especially because of Corona. Um, People are looking at non-traditional methods to get voiced content. And right now content is booming because everyone's inside. So yes, we are seeing interest from animation. We're also seeing interest from TV, film and uh, VR. Right. 
Um, are you working directly with any animation or film production companies right now or is that is it still just in the like having a chat part of the process well we have some in our beta so in our closed beta where we're taking feedback and essentially right now we're trying to solidify our product a bit more and make sure it's tailored to our customers and we're also looking at how we're going to be working on the business model too so during this closed beta it's all about learning for us Mm. Okay, so let's talk about actors then. What makes Taylor and the actors that you've chosen to work with so great to work with? Taylor is a very talented individual and as are all the other actors we work with. So we have a very stringent audition process and it really tests their emotional delivery. And this is what's key to our technology. Like we can't give away too much about this, but we can say it isn't easy And we've auditioned like hundreds of actors. So what's surprising about this is that we had ideas of what the performances should be, but the actors came in and they blew us away. This is definitely human-led technology um, because it's what the actors give us so that their performances drives the quality of our tech. How also do you make sure that your actors still feel that they're in control of their own creative output? We enter into partnerships with our actors because this is all very, very new. We're early in our stages of development. Uh, We work with gaming studios and we can't necessarily always say like who we're working with until it's like completely published. But what we do is we keep them updated on a quarterly basis. I'll get on calls with actors. I'll ask them how things are going. I got on calls with everyone as soon as I heard about like, you know, lockdown and things like that. And what we do is we just try to stay as transparent as possible. And so we let them know, like, like, I guess for us, you know, what makes us different to the average AI speech company is our goal. Like, we create models that actors are proud of and feel embodies a version of themselves. And we'll be pushing this technology, but we want to hit that goal that actors can be proud to put their name to it and let their models work for them because... Actors are artists, and it's not right to put forth an AI if it doesn't do justice to the art. Um, So they all know that, and we try to make it as crystal clear as possible. And with the profit share, like we've made it so, you know, when they do well, we do well. But it's not something that is, um, you know, one side or the other. We try to make sure that it's very firmly a partnership, and we take feedback very seriously, and we want to make sure that they know that we're taking taking care of their voices and we're putting them forward for work that we think will build um, build their portfolio, essentially. And yeah, misuse is also taken very, very seriously. We make sure that we only work with um, where quality matters, like with entertainment studios, and they understand like what those studios like tend to do. So we do tell them what it's being used for. And even in our contracts, like I can't talk about the contracts too much, but we make sure like there's you know, it's very, it's friendly to actors, but it also, you know, nothing illegal or anything around hate speech or anything like that, like where an actor might feel worried that their voice is misused because, you know, deep fakes can say anything and, and do a lot of things now. But we want to make sure that, you know, for our company, like we don't let anyone train their own AI. Like we make sure we do all of that and we make sure that the studios we work with, like, We have discussions with them and we sign NDAs and we make sure we go through the right processes with them to make sure everyone is protected. 
Amazing. I'm still like, I know you can't say too much about the process because of IPs, but when you say train their AI, do you do you have the AI that's trained and organized and you hand it to the production company and they, they do the, what they want with it? Or did the production company come with you and say, we need these lines, please? So that's a good question. So we have a text-to-speech product. So um, if you type in what you want said, then it turns into voice, and then you can edit, sculpt, and direct it. Um, So essentially this product goes to the entertainment studios because they're art creators and they want to look for the performance that they would do with an actor. So they might say, you know, can you say this in a sad voice with like, you know, a level of two out of three um, and emphasize the last part of the sentence. So then you would be able to do that in this tool and like click around and, and... add in the text and generate that. And then we take notes on and, and count all of the different lines used per voice. And then we get back to the actor and let them know um, how that was used. So that's essentially how it works. There was an article in the, I think was it the Evening Standard in London? Um, where I don't know, I can't remember if it was you that said it or if it was the journalist that was writing it that was saying it, that Sonantic, for example, is it's not going to replace actors in the long term, like live actors, this article said, because acting in gaming is big business. And it talked about the category in the BAFTAs for uh, performances in gaming. But Nick and I were talking about it earlier and we were thinking that really it's not the lead roles in big games that are in question, but it's more like the the dwarves and the elves and the pedestrians and all the other people that you might meet 20 times an hour in a in a in an RPG the the actors that would have played those roles they're the ones that might not then be used because it is much simpler and much more straightforward to use semantic to to fill that up and to save all that time and to save all that money that's that seems to be what is more likely to happen and we've got people listening to this interview who recognize the incredible work that you're doing and the value that it has and the inevitability of it as well but who are also terrified because it's going to take away their their job that they love and it's going to take away their income and so I what would you say to those people? What would you say to them? Yes, so that's that's a very good point. Um, and something that, you know, when we speak to actors, like we always ask them how they feel about this in the very get-go. So we're not unaware of like, you know, this is a big black box. Like, you know, people don't know what goes into this and there's not very much awareness around AI. Um, essentially, we don't think that actors will ever be replaced. Um, It's not just the big actors. You know, all of these other actors, they're so talented. Um, And the AIs are built off of their actual work. We're just augmenting how they work. And CGI's already done this, especially for lots of different people, not just the, the main actors, but like entire films. Like synthetic media is already there and we're doing this now for the audio space. Um... You can look at, like, I guess in the early 1990s, like with Pixar, 
nobody thought about a full CGI movie ever. Um, and then Toy Story came along. And you, yes, you have Tom Hanks in there as like the main guy, but you know, there's so many other actors involved and they were all part of this completely computer generated film. Um, and if you look at the, like the top 50 highest grossing films of all time, yes, there's like the, the main actors, but then there's also all the other actors, like every single um, entertainment product, like even in gaming from what we know, like a third of it is NPC characters, a third of it is like secondary characters, a third of it is primary characters, but there's synthesis uh, or synthetic media used for the entire thing. And so what we see is like synthetic media is coming and we think that what we're doing is for the audio space, but it's never to replace the actual actor. It's only to augment how they work and they can work on multiple sets at once. And they will get that passive income as well. And we like, even with our actors, like they still go for other roles. Like they're not just doing this with us. Like they have, you know, that autonomy to do other, other different uh, gigs that they want to do. Um, but for us, like we put them forward and now what we can do that not necessarily a, a single person can do is like scale them. And that's pretty unique because like we're, we'll never be able to take away their talent, but what we can do is scale that talent. And so that's how we see this. What do you mean by scale? Um, so right now, if an actor, like most actors, like if they're like 98% of them are not Hollywood actors, right? They're probably working a few different jobs and sometimes like a gig will come up or maybe two gigs will come up at the same time. But then you'll have to choose usually like which one's higher paying, which one do I like the most? Um, That's a nice idea, having to choose between two jobs at the same time. Oh, <laughs> my life is so hard. I have so much work. <laughs> but now you can, you can, you can do both. Um, you don't have to be limited by your personal, like, um, actual location and all of the other things happening in your life. Like, you can go out with your friends. And, like, with this, like, if you want to relax, say you had a really taxing work week at work, you might have been voicing something for, you know, an animation film, um, but then this something else comes along and, and you're really tired and you just like your voice has been, you know, at its limits. Your AI can do your work. So if, am I, if, if I'm understanding right, you're saying that an AI voice won't put an actor out of work as long as that actor has an AI version of their voice that can be used in the space that they were previously working. So, for example, a person who works in video gaming, they and and is playing like loads of different characters, accents, all those sorts of things. As long as they've got an AI version of themselves doing those things, they won't be put out of work because the game production companies will want to use the AI version of their voice. Have I understood that right? Uh, I don't think I understand how you're saying it. Sorry. Um, so when when I hear you say it's not going to put actors out of work because um, the actors will be able to use the AI version of their voice to work in lots of different arenas at once, do lots of different jobs at once. For the actors that don't have an AI version of their voice, they are not going to be able to access that work because the people that are employing actors are employing AI versions of those actors to do the work. So that's, that's a good point. Um, essentially, we're going to be creating like an actor community and a marketplace. 
so that actors can all come together and you know this is something that's an asset that any actor can come and get um yes there's a stringent audition process but we do believe that every actor whatever stage you're at in your career like if you want an ai you should be able to have an ai um and i do see it as like something where you know actors have a lot of things that they they do to build themselves up but if you want a version of yourself there's no reason why you shouldn't have that is that something then that you've got your eye on for the future as in providing that service for actors to be able to use like a, a quality system to make sure that they are getting the best AI version of themselves that they can that incorporates all the emotion and the breath and everything else that we've talked about is that something that Synantic is looking at exactly so like this actor app like right now we're only working with a set number of actors but in the future um hopefully next year actually we want to give this app to actors so they can train their own AI like they're next doing year. that I mean we still have like a long ways to go with development but we think that it's completely possible. Hello, I'm John Briggs, the original British voice of Siri, the Apple iPhone assistant. And you happen to be listening to the Voice Over Social. can't fool me. There must be something they can't do. Give me their live support service, Cat. Hi there, this is Source Elements. How can I help? Right, this will do it. I want to connect with people that only use ISDN. (laughs) Not a problem. We offer an ISDN bridging service. I want to use my DAW. Absolutely, I can help you set that up. I don't want to use my DAW. That's fine. Source Connect Works is a standalone program. I only speak Spanish. Ah, no es un problema. Oh, why should anyone believe you? How do I know you're not making all this up? Well, you can try it out for yourself with a 15-day trial. Ugh, enough! Source Connect, the future of voiceover recording. So we're coming at this from the angle that this is the inevitable march of progress. And I think we Mm. both stand by that. Um, But we should mention some of the arguments people have made against that being 100% the case, like for corporate work at least. Yeah. So first of all, uh, something we heard in our episode from the behind the scenes of the One Voice conference, this is Eleanor Hamilton. And she's a woman who we both really admire and respect. Mm. She's the voice of the London Underground and a billion other things. And she also, as it happens, runs an e-learning business. The listener is human. The writer is human. The key to imparting the information well is to use a human who understands the material and knows how to put it forward with understanding and with intellect. Which is why the rate cards suggest that we charge around 30p a word. That obviously sounds expensive for a 3,000 word script, but you're not paying just anyone to read a 3,000 word script. You're paying for someone who has years of experience, who's maybe been educated to a high level. One of my voices has a double first from Oxford and spends much of his working life reading highly complex pharmaceutical material. Nobody can afford to get that wrong. You're paying for someone who's invested thousands of pounds in their own home studio equipment. They've invested tens of thousands of pounds possibly in themselves and who'll be there to correct a mistake if they make one. So they're available all the time. You're paying for someone who is so good at this stuff that they can and do do it full time. So there is that a well-informed voiceover is 
definitely a safety net for bad riding. Not that I ever get any bad riding, Leah. Never, never. And uh, there was there was also a Voquent blog that said they believed people invest so much effort into their special projects that of course they're going to want a unique voiceover performance to go alongside it. Like, why wouldn't you? Maybe, maybe. And in Paul Strickwerder's blog, he interviewed a guy called J. Michael Collins, who has a voice demo production company in America. And he did say something interesting about clients that are focused on price and not quality. So, Nick, will you read this in a general American, please? I surely will. Thank you. At the end of the day, we're going to look back and say that AI was a good thing for professional voiceover because it's going to solve our lowball problem. It's going to get rid of the side of the industry that undercuts the competition and works for rates they shouldn't. And it's going to replace it with robots. Mm. But I'm I'm really sorry. I don't I don't buy it. I don't buy that. <laughs> I don't buy it at all. If the only. technology or yeah, the technology already exists that will create a responsive, emotionally adjustable voiceover for any explainer video, for example. And now it's just a matter of waiting for it to roll out across the industry and obviously for the price to come down. Yeah, and like Voices.com have already partnered with Voiceify to start feeding voices into voice assistant software. And I'm obviously not saying that jobs on Voices.com have necessarily got high rates because that would be ridiculous, but they are a big part <laughs> of this landscape and they are already starting to weave AI technology into what they offer. Right, exactly. But to get back to games, because the point of this episode, I guess, is that AI technology good enough to express emotion is right now in beta testing. So we're already sort of past the point where we need to question whether the technology can ever get good enough to sound real. Um and I'm not a gamer, uh, but I had a long conversation with my gamer husband about this. And he's like a gamer to his core. And what I learned is this. With games, the point is the gameplay and the voice acting and sound design and visuals all add to that experience. But in the end, it's about how it plays. Mm. Oh, I felt like that just needed a moment. <laughs> um, perhaps with things like film and animation and radio drama, then it's different because like, primarily what you want as an audience member, like a listener, is, is a real connection. You're being right. told a story and uh, the knowledge that there's no direct human intent behind that story would be like way too much for me to get over. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. I think so. And like there has been a move lately hasn't there to games that are almost filmic in how they tell mm -hmm. stories like the last of us being an obvious example so perhaps with games like those the same thing would apply and maybe there's something similar in other industries things that just require more acting um anyway so with all of this in mind we thought we'd speak to equity because it's all very well knowing it's coming but we need to know what practical steps we can take to protect ourselves from being the casualties of the wild west that is the current situation hello uh, my name is marcus hutton i am a voiceover artist and an actor <clears throat> although i don't sound like one at the moment with this croaky voice um, and i'm also on the equity audio committee i'm serving in my second term and i have a particular interest in rights issues, IP issues, um, and those are the things that I hope I can explain a little bit about today. I think where we should start, I suppose, really, for most voiceover artists, the big concern is the money, you know, is how am I going to get paid if I am an AI voice? Now, we are already seeing fairly low offers for total buyouts for AI voice prints. So when you go into a studio for three days and you record lots of sort of nonsense sentences and that company pays you a figure let's call that figure ten thousand pounds and then 
the intention of what their payment is that that buys you out completely, that there will be no further payments, and then they can monetize that for their business on an ongoing basis, and they can reap all the profits and rewards from that, and you will get no further payment beyond that. As we all know, performers agree to, to things like this all the time. You're contracted on a total buyout, and you take that 10,000 quid because you need 10,000 quid, and it's a quite a lot of money. That is not legal to be bought out and get no further payment. That has been how things have been for, for some time, both in the United States and in the UK. The good news is that that will no longer be possible there is legislation that has come into place in the EU and via the Beijing Treaty on Audiovisual Performances, which came into force on the 28th of April this year, which gives performers the right to ongoing payments on anything they record. The Beijing Treaty on Audiovisual Performances took eight years from being introduced to actually being ratified. It is now legislation. 30 countries needed to ratify the treaty in order for it to become law. So it's gone into force in 33 countries, not the UK and not the United States, which of course are the two big factors for us when it comes to games and AI. We in the UK are campaigning very heavily and they are suggesting to people that they write to their MP. We're already seeing replies from MPs that are encouraging. There are 20 MPs who've signed an early day motion. It is being raised in the Houses of Parliament at the moment. It's a vital piece of legislation for all performers, voiceovers and actors um, to get fair payment and ongoing payment for the use of your work. If people do get this £10,000 job and handed a contract and they're like, right, brilliant, yeah, I'll sign that contract, that sounds great, what should they be checking that contract for? Right, well, there are two parts to this. Um, one is whether you're being asked for all your rights to be handed over. The equitable remuneration right of the Beijing Treaty, this is the right to ongoing payments. That right cannot be taken away from you. That is the most important part of this piece of legislation. No contract can contract you out of that right to further payments. And that is big news if you think about it. There are also moral rights. Now, moral rights are you have the right to claim to be identified as the performer, the right to object to any distortion, mutilation or other modification that would be prejudicial to the performer's reputation. And those rights are waivable rights. You, you will be asked to waive those rights. Uh, but it may be that with AI, one of those moral rights needs to be um, retained. The originating voice may want to protect their reputation. Um, you could be being made to say things that you never said. And this is really, really important that the, the moral rights part of this are considered. And moral rights vary around the world. In the UK, you can just waive your moral rights. In America, you can just waive your moral rights. In France, your moral rights are an inalienable right. And they go to court very often about you know, about reputation and all that stuff. So that's a really big ethical conversation to be had. Um, and it's not being, I mean, you know, contracts for AI for voiceovers are sort of in, in their infancy. They're all done, the ones that have been done like Amazon Alexa and Siri and all those things, they're all, those contracts are locked down. They've been done with NDAs. No one's allowed to disclose how much they were paid, even who they are, 
no union is allowed to see one of those contracts. So I would say to anybody who gets asked if they'd like to be an AI voice and they get offered a certain amount of money to really have a good look at to see if moral rights are, are being waived completely and whether there will be further payments for use beyond the scope of the use that's described in the contract. It's a real wasp nest. I mean, in the games industry, it's going to cause massive ructions because the SAG strike, the games strike, where performers were asking for ongoing usage when games were very successful, the games industry refused point blank to make any further payments, to make any kind of royalty payments. All they said was that I think in the end, SAG sort of agreed to a sort of nominal success payment that if the game passed a certain income threshold that they would get a sort of one-off fee, $500 or something. But what we do know is that in the digital sphere, as a you know, the movie industry, kind of the publishing industry, the music industry, they're all very used to the idea of A, negotiating with unions and B, negotiating usage and copyright and all that stuff. The digital industries generally are anti-union and anti-anything that they see as infringing on their right to make money, basically. They don't want to have a social aspect of it where they share the success of a project with the creative people that worked on it. I hope that's not too strong saying that. Well, I don't think, I can't speak for anybody because I've only spoken to one company so far, but Synantic, who our listeners have heard from earlier, have been very clear that they are a profit share model um, and they are are in it. Well, I'm glad you mentioned them because I did know that and I was really, really heartened to hear that about that company because um, the fact is that they've actually wanted to engage, which is fantastic. And uh, yes, Basically, equitable remuneration, that's the ER right, that's what we're talking about. It's just a right to fair payments. It's not about getting excessive payments. It's just about being able to have, you know, an ongoing income from work that gets exploited constantly. And when you're an AI voice, you could be on a sat-nav one day, you could be under a corporate video another day. You, I mean, you know, the, the income loss if you think about it, to performers is, is enormous. So there's got to be some recompense for that. I think it's going to be an almighty battle zone. AI is the work killer. It's the income killer. We, we can't be like the old mill breakers. You know, we can't, we can't go and smash up the looms. Um, what I think we can do is use the law and use legislation to make sure that an originating voice for an, you know, an AI library is paid for the usage of their work. And that is sort of you know, that, that, that could be a win. I mean, that's, that's the best, I think, we can. that's the best way we can look at it, really. So, in the bleakest way <laughs> possible, that's the, that's the best we can hope for. Oh, great. <laughs> Proper payment for the work our AI voices can do. And... Look, we're not even going to have that in the UK and the US if our representatives don't ratify the treaty. So like the man fecking the said, write to your MP (laughs) or American equivalent, whatever that is, to tell them to, I mean, these are words I don't think I'd ever say, uh, but to ratify the Beijing Treaty. Hmm, Ratify it, ratify it. (laughs) Please ratify the treaty. Won't you ratify the treaty? That just doesn't sound like something should be on our podcast. (laughs) It is, it is though. Um, but please, 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 please do. Um, and just to make it so easy that we'd be livid with you if you didn't, there's a link yep. in the show notes. So That's uh, right. do it now, yes. right now. Well, listen first um, and then do it. 
<laughs> yeah, don't stop listening. Just stay with us and then definitely go back to do it. Um, I think we're like we're too early in the game for there to be any specific advice at this point on how to avoid dodgy companies that offer to create an AI version of yourself that you can use and that will charge you loads but won't protect your control of your voice. And the next thing you know, you're advertising something really bad like like murder. And, I don't know. <laughs> not, not everyone agrees on the same things being bad, but I think we can all agree that murder is bad. Get your murders here. Anyway, uh, the point is that uh, like anything, the unethical and the unqualified are undoubtedly going to start popping up and there isn't yet a regulatory body or anything like that to keep an eye on all of it so just make sure you thoroughly investigate anyone you're intending to give your money to oh my god ask the questions yeah show me the contract let me show it to equity and it's really really easy to spot ai type voices it's just please say all of these random sentences that mean literally nothing <laughs> that Seriously. is not a buyout situation do not allow no. it to happen so um i guess if you've got something you want to say or you feel like we've missed things out or we've said something that you disagree with yeah, or yeah. even if you just want to write all your feelings down and send them somewhere <laughs> safe, we're here for you. Uh, so the email address is listen at com, And is. very obviously for everyone, this is not the end of the conversation. We're yeah. going to be covering this uh, whole thing further actually as part of our very exciting yeah. live episode about how to book Woo! more gaming work with gaming producer and director Kirsty Gilmore. Yes, Kirsty Gilmore. Uh, the free tickets have all gone for that now, but it'll be released as the 1st of September episode, so make sure you subscribe and then you won't miss it. And look, it's not over yet, is it? We're all still here. It's we all are. still happening. It is. So let's enjoy every last second of it while we can. I'm going to really, really, really savour all of my IVR gigs that come in. Yes. From this point Taste in. them, I can almost taste them. Your call is important to us. Please <laughs> hold. Please hold. Oh, I beg of you. Hold. Please hold and keep calling this company. Um, anyway, thank you to our belovedly, beautifully sexy sponsors, Source Connect and BWE. And thank you. also, big thank you to Dave Roddy Jones, yeah. who was the absolute bloody legend who drew our attention to Faith the Crying AI in the first place. Yeah. And thank you to you for listening. Um, yeah, you. We'll keep making this show as long as there are voiceovers to make it for. So stick with us. We'll see you right. I've been Dick Redman. And I've been Lee Marks. No, I've been Leah Marks. And I've been Nick Redman. And, and we, we are the, the Voice of social. social. Get gone with your AI <laughs> selves. Get in the sea. <laughs> Together till the end of the road.